Hey there, future friends! This week, Eric Northman returns, we learn some prestidigitation, and a legend meets his biggest fan. This is the week of April 22nd, 2022, and you are listening to the Future Flicks with Billiam podcast. Welcome to the show, everyone. It is that time. It has been a minute. I skipped last week's episode as it was my anniversary week, but I am back. And I'll tell you what, we didn't miss much. The biggest movie last week was The Secrets of Dumbledore. And not only do we not f with that dirty turf J.K. Rowling, we don't f with her. What we also don't do is see movies like that in theater, even if she wasn't problematic, because the last one was such hot garbage. Seriously, the last movie was so bad, and this one didn't look any better. The only benefit, I think, to these movies is seeing better use of magic, just like in all of the movies past the original Star Wars trilogy. The best thing about them was how cool everything looked. So we get to see stuff that looks cooler. Because let's face it, the kids from the Harry Potter movies weren't good magicians because they were children and they didn't know how to do a lot of different stuff. So a bonus to watching these movies would be to see adult wizards fighting. But then again, we don't support TERFs here on Future Flicks with Billiam. Instead, what we do is we talk about what it is I do on this show. So let me tell you. I am Billiam, and on this show, I do one thing. That's, I tell you about all of the movies coming out each and every week. Unless I skip a week. And I break them up into two categories. The limited release section, and the wide releases and interesting indies. In both of these sections, I tell you what the movie is, what it's about, and who's in it. And for the limited releases, that's where it may stop. But I may give a couple thoughts or two, just maybe. But in the wide releases and interesting indies, I do all that, and I definitely give my thoughts on it, and then I give it a score, which I call the Billiams Interest Level Score, also known as the Bill Score, which can go anywhere from a 0 for those awful, awful looking films to an 11 for those films that make me oh so very excited. And my future friends, this week we do have more movies in the wide releases and interesting indies, so I'm going to talk about the movies in the limited section do two or three from the wide releases and then we'll have our break. Well, my friends, without further ado, let us jump into the first segment, which as always is the limited release section. Let's start with a movie called The Revolution Generation. This is a documentary. It shows how young people can deploy their strengths to revolutionize the system as they confront both the U.S. political crisis and the global environmental crisis. So this is a documentary narrated by Michelle Rodriguez. And while this is something that interests me personally, you know, voting rights, eat the rich, let's not destroy the planet, stuff like that. I like that stuff. But even though I like it, and this seems like something that's kind of 
geared towards people like me, I don't think it looks like a good documentary. Just from the trailer, it looks a little too haphazard, like it can't really find its its footing, even though it does have a clear message. So let's let's wait to see what people say about this. Let's talk about another movie instead that actually looks much worse called The Cowgirl's Song. An aspiring teen singer goes to live with her grandmother, once a country music legend, but has fallen on hard times after the death of her husband five years earlier. Well, I forgot that was so kind of sad, so I feel like an a-hole saying that so happy, but too late. I considered editing that, but I don't think I will. It's like, ha, way to suck, grandma. But no, this movie looks awful. It looks like the kind of straight to Walmart bargain bin slash dollar store bullshit, and it looks so bad. Next up, we have a film called Hostile Territory. In post-Civil War America, when a Union soldier is presumed dead, his children are mistakenly sent away on the orphan train. (laughs) The orphan train. (laughs) That's so terrible. This is a Wild West story of people uniting for the greater good and children forced to grow up quickly (laughs) on the orphan train. (laughs) Hey, Thomas, who's your new friend? Oh, this is the orphan train. (laughs) So I'm going to tell a really niche joke right now. Do you think the Phantom Train from Final Fantasy VI or Doom Train from Final Fantasy VIII was the orphan train? So a terribly named train aside... This doesn't look good. It, it, it doesn't. And it, I still feel bad saying things like this, like, like shitting on movies or just not giving them any thought because people do work hard on these. I just finished listening to the audiobook uh, of Gene Wilder's autobiography. And since he narrates it himself, you could tell that a lot of the stuff he did take personally, like when a movie of his tanked. But at the same time, I have to be honest, this does not look good. Let's talk about the final movie in the limited section called Unplugging. Think a rustic getaway with no cell service, internet, or social media is a romantic way to repair your marriage and sex life? Think again! Meet Dan and Janine Duerson. The only spark in their bedroom is from the wall socket. Cause she has an old plug-in vibrator. No, that's not, that's not it. The only spark in their bedroom is from the wall socket. Their daughter's best friend is her iPad. And Dan is not going to take it anymore and plans a quiet, relaxing weekend in a remote mountain town. No kids, no phones, no social media, only clean, fresh air and lots of romance. But what starts as the perfect weekend quickly becomes disastrous with unearthly encounters, strong edibles, cranky locals, and a pesky one-eyed dog. Without GPS to guide them or social media to stave off their boredom, Dan and Janine are forced to reconnect with each other. Can a digital detox really save their marriage and sanity? And was there really not a shorter way to write this premise? The world may never know. This stars Eva Longoria from Desperate Housewives, Matt Walsh from Veep, Leah Thompson from Back to the Future, Keith David from The Thing, Al Madrigal from Night School, and Nicole Byer from Brooklyn Nine-Nine, who played Trudy Judy. I'm going to be honest, this is a really good cast. I like this cast a lot, but the movie looked bad. It looked bad. It looked like the type of movie all of these people are doing because they had downtime before another project came up going, hey, I want to do this better movie, but I have like a year until they're ready. Oh, I can do this shitty thing. That's what this feels like. The good news is it's probably going to come to some streaming service later, probably some streaming service you already have. So 
if you do think it sounds interesting, you'll probably be able to watch it for free later. Well, my friends, that is it for the limited release section. Like I said, we're going to go right into the wide releases and then have our break. So let's start with a movie called Petite Maman. This is a very limited release, New York and L.A. only this week. Nellie has just lost her grandmother and is helping her parents clean out her mother's childhood home. She explores the house and the surrounding woods, and one day she meets a girl her same age building a treehouse. This is a movie from Friends! And I rarely talk about New York, L.A. only openings in the wide releases, but this one looks cute. It looks potentially very good and potentially very deep. The vibe I got from the trailer for this seems like the type of film that could potentially talk about the childlike innocence of life, but also dealing with grief. And normally by the time we have to deal with grief, normally the, by the time we deal with grief, we're adults. And so that childlike innocence has really, is really gone. So I think if, if that is what this movie is going to be about, I think seeing these at the same time is going to be a good thing. As always, movies like this that get a, such a limited release at first will eventually get out there. But to be perfectly honest, I would just put this movie on the back burner and just just keep it keep it back there. Every once in a while, look at a service like Canopy. If you remember Canopy, I've talked about that, the streaming service through the public library system. They have some great indie movies on that. And even check your local library. Always check your local library because they have great books, up-to-date books, up-to-date movies, great service. But I would keep this in the back of your head if that sounds interesting at all. It just looks like a very well done film in the sense that not a lot happened in the trailer that was eye-catching, but just the way it was presented, just the look and feel of the whole thing did catch my eye. Petite Maman gets a 7.5 out of 11. So my future friends, we're going from France Traveling 3,473 miles to Iran. Did I look up the distance between the countries just for that little joke? Yes, I did. This film is called Hit the Road, getting a limited theatrical release. This follows a chaotic, tender family that is on a road trip across a rugged landscape and fussing over a sick dog and getting on each other's nerves. Only the mysterious older brother is quiet. This is a movie from Iran, like I said. And it looks... It looks enjoyable. It looks fun, but also thought-provoking. It gives me Little Miss Sunshine vibes, because Little Miss Sunshine is a comedy, but it also is so much more than that, and I think Hit the Road gives me that same vibe. And the bonus is, if I do see this, even though movies like A Separation and About Ellie are on my to-be-watch list, I've never actually seen a movie from Iran, so <laughs> there we go. And unfortunately, a big bonus for this movie is the fact that it seems more accessible because accessibility is a big problem when it comes to people watching foreign films. Because do you remember that awful review that Cinema Blend's Sean O'Connell did where he called it limiting basically because he couldn't relate to anything? That little moron's view of turning red is unfortunately a big part of the cinematic world, that there are people out there who don't want to watch movies that they can't relate to somehow. But I think Hit the Road has this family road trip vibe down to a T that I think anyone can relate to, <laughs> unless you're on the orphan train. 
I'll stop. Okay, I'll stop. I'm sorry. This looks good. I really want to see it. And Hit the Road gets a 8.5 out of 11. You know what I decided? You'll, by now, you will have seen this already. But I'm going to name the episode The Orphan Train now, just because I can't, I can't not name it The Orphan Train. If any of you haven't yet, give Robbie and Lisa a lot of love from We're Doing Fine with Robbie and Lisa. I think they have a wonderful podcast. They're both brilliant. But they have this thing where they don't name the episode until they both they say something and then either at the time they'll say it or during editing they go, that's it. That's the name of the podcast. I try to play along with it, but something like that rarely happens to me. And today it did. So, yay. All right, my friends, last movie before the break, we're going to talk about Charlotte. This is another limited release movie. An account of German Jewish artist Charlotte Solomon living in the south of France between 1941 and 1943. This is an animated movie featuring the voices of Kira Knightley, Marion Cotillard, Brenda Blethyn, Jim Broadbent, and Sam Claflin. So you know me, you know I love me some non-fiction animation. I just love animation. It's a wonderful form of storytelling that I think unfortunately doesn't get a lot of love outside of kids' movies, and it really should, because I think movies like this show why it's such a good medium. So if you listen to those years, 1941 to 1943, something was going on. That's right, that's World War II time. World War II didn't end until 1945. So this is about a Jewish artist escaping to France. And how even though while she's there, she still has to hide. uh, Try to hide her identity. And this is why, things like this is why World War II is such a important source of storytelling for movies, books, TV, not just for war movies, not just for stuff like Saving Private Ryan or Band of Brothers, not just for that, but because we have stories like this that we can learn about people's experiences. So this looks well done. And you know, one of my big gripes about animated movies is how sometimes they'll get a big cast that has no purpose being there. Like the Doolittle movie, not animated, but voice actors, so stay with me. They didn't need that cast. Why was Tom Holland there? I love me some Tom Holland. He did not need to be in that. This cast, I understand. I mean, could they have used actual voice actresses and actors for this? Yeah, sure, they could have, but it's not bad. Charlotte gets a 7.5 out of 11. And my future friends, that is it for the first part of the show. Let us take our break as we hear a word from our good friends at other podcasts, which you should all be listening to, and they'll be right back with the rest of the wide releases. Stay tuned. Are you looking for a nerd podcast that touches on every walk of nerd culture? Well, look no further. Somewhat Nerdy Radio is the podcast for you. We cover nerd culture, news, new movie reviews, bad movie reviews, video games, comics, with sprinkles of nerdy nostalgia throughout. Somewhat Nerdy Radio is a flagship podcast of the Somewhat Nerdy Podcast Network. Find us on every podcast app or stream it on somewhatnerdy.com. Good journey, nerds. Hi, I'm Lisa. And I'm Robbie. And we host a show called We're We're Doing Doing Fine. Fine. We're friends from across the ocean. I'm from Scotland. And I'm from California. Join us every week as we chat about biscuits. You mean cookies? Brexit. Whatever's going on here. Who knows? Almost dying. 
why we're single, popular culture, and basically everything and anything that can distract us from this postmodern hellscape we're all living in. Because we're, we're doing, doing fine. fine. We're back. We're back with a Disney Plus original called Polar Bear. This follows a new mother as she prepares to navigate motherhood and the challenging world that polar bears face today. This is a documentary narrated by Katherine Keener from Get Out. I love nature documentaries. I do. I, I grew up on them. I love them oh so much. I think David Attenborough is a worldwide treasure. I think the fact that we're not doing more for the environment is criminal. But when it comes to this movie, I am not a big fan of Disney documentaries because I think that what they do is too often they try to sell some sort of story instead of just showing us what it's like. So they're not showing us the lives of polar bears per se. They're showing us the story of a new mother and her struggle in the world, which that's fine and all, but we don't need some human narrative to enjoy a documentary about polar bears. But here's the other side of that coin. How many people don't like documentaries because they find them boring might then watch it because there is some sort of narrative that they can follow. So that can go either way. I'm not a big fan of Disney documentaries because I never did forget that their first big recent documentary was a basic, basically just they took scenes from BBC Planet Earth and repackaged it and told similar stories. Here we see a mother chimpanzee as she goes to the corner store to pick up a high C for her child. Unfortunately, Ecto Cooler has been discontinued for a long time so that child's life would be less than adequate. Not me, bitch. I still have Ecto Cooler. That's right. And still tastes good, even though it's like six years expired. Don't judge me. But anyway, that I didn't really like that with that first one. I forgot what it was called. But I had watched Planet Earth so many times that when I saw these scenes, I'm like, these are the same scenes. And the original scenes in the documentary were nothing like you're trying to narrate them. So I, I don't really trust Disney also in this sense. But hey, if you are the type that is not normally a fan of documentaries and you want to watch this, by all means, go and watch it. But for me, Polar Bear gets a five out of 11. Next up, my friends, we have a movie called The Long for the Ride. This is a Netflix original film. The summer before college, Auden, which is a name, I guess, meets the mysterious Eli, a fellow insomniac. While the seaside town of Colby sleeps, the two embark on a nightly quest to help Auden experience the fun, carefree teen life she never knew she wanted. So what you're telling me is she's not like other girls, but... Now she kind of wants to be like other girls. That's great. That That's good job. Good job there. So this is based on a popular book, I guess. I'm just guessing it's popular. By an author named Sarah Dessen. And this stars Emma Passarow, who's a newish actress. Belmont Camely from Saved by the Bell. Andy McDowell from Groundhog Day. Dermot Mulroney from The Family Stone. Kate Bosworth from Win a Date with Tad Hamilton. Genevieve Hanalias from American Vandal, and Laura Kariuki from The Wonder Years. Oh, you know, quick aside, Critter, good friend Critter, suggested that I talk about what I've been watching on streaming, and I haven't done that segment in a while, so let me interrupt this really quick just to say my wife and I finally finished watching 
atypical on Netflix, and it was a really good ending. It's four seasons long, it's on Netflix, and it didn't get canceled as much as COVID happened and they realized that they just wanted to end the show, so it did actually get an ending. So a four-season show with a, an honest-to-God ending, and a good one at that. They're not going to How I Met Your Mother Us. Yeah, f*** that. But you can watch that. And American Vandal. If you never watched American Vandal, two seasons, super funny, super well done. It's a mockumentary-style true crime show, and it's, it's just so well done. But let's talk about Long for the Ride. Look, if you like this YA stuff, and I do. I like YA, YA books, but YA is now such a broad category that you can no longer say, oh, it's YA and expect to know what you're getting into. But this story is more of a stereotypical YA book where it's basically just a love story with some sort of weird circumstance. It's not like that the girl's dying of some terrible disease or she can't go out in the sun or she'll f***ing explode. I don't know. Uh, but this is she's an insomniac. It makes her a little quirky. I can't sleep and I'm cute. Whoops. But this is just basic. It looks super, super basic and predictable and done before. But if you like stuff like that, if you want something harmless and predictable and not challenging in the least, check out Along for the Ride. Along for the Ride gets a 4 out of 11. Next up, we have a film called The Bad Guys. This is our first nationwide release. Several reformed yet misunderstood criminal animals attempt to become good, with some disastrous results along the way. This features the voices of Sam Rockwell, Mark Marin, Aquafina, Craig Robinson, Anthony Ramos, Richard Ayanade, Zazie Beetz, and Alex Bornstein. And I only half hate that cast. As in, I like the stuff that they do normally, but just they don't need to be in this film. Like, their voices aren't special. I love Sam Rockwell. I think he's a fantastic actor. Moon is one of my all-time favorite films, and he was great in that. Nothing is special about his voice to make him worth this film, when there's a perfectly good voice actor who could have done it. People like Craig Robinson, on the other hand, very unique voice. So I think that stuff like that I get. But anyway, this is DreamWorks' latest movie, and it doesn't look half bad. We have The Big Bad Wolf, who, in the middle of a job, accidentally saves an old lady. He's about to steal from her wallet, and she trips down the stairs, so he grabs a purse to stop her from falling, and she goes, oh, you're a good boy, and he's like, oh, f what's this feeling I'm feeling? I like this. This is better than stealing. And so he talks to all of his friends, who's like a spider, a shark, a snake, a piranha. I think that's it? I can't remember. But he's like, hey, we should stop being bad guys and start being good guys it might make us feel better so it's about his journey and if his friends actually want to change and will he leave them behind if they don't want to or will he stop this moral growth just to keep his friends so this movie is done by dreamworks which brings us such classics as shrek madagascar kung fu panda and the animation style for this is a little different, and it actually feels like it's cel-shaded, and I'm not sure if it is. That could just be a stylistic choice. But anyway, it looks good, but of course that is what we expect from DreamWorks. But unfortunately, the fact of the matter is, unless you're taking your family to go see a movie, this is very skippable. It's not that it looks bad, but I just don't feel any need to see this right away. Will I see it one day? Yes, I definitely will. But I can wait, and I think you should too. 
while it doesn't look bad, there's nothing that grabbed me and said, hey, watch me right now. The bad guys gets a 6.5 out of 11. Next up, we have a movie called Marvelous and the Black Hole. This is the final limited release of the week. A teenage delinquent teams up with a surly children's party magician to navigate her dysfunctional family and inner demons. This stars Mia Cech from Always Be My Maybe, Rhea Perlman from Cheers, and Leonardo Nam from Westworld. So this looks cute. We have this girl going through a hard time with her family. I, I think her mother has just died and the family's still reeling from that. And it also seems like she has one of these overbearing Asian dads. And you know how I feel about that. I think it's overplayed because even though it is a very realistic story to be told, it happens. I didn't have an Asian dad. I had a white dad. And my Asian mom was strict, but more chill than a lot of my friends Asian parents, but even if it's something that does happen, it is kind of old hat at this point. But either way, she has to take these like after school courses or something uh, as a punishment for something she did. And the teacher of these after school courses is Rhea Perlman, who just happens to be a magician. And she gets sucked into magic. She loves it, she wants to learn it. And this is what the movie's about. And I like this. I like this idea of this fact that we have this kid who seems to be a little wayward and then finds something that finally interests them. So this does have potential to be really cute, really cool, an interesting film, but something to be watched at home. Just like a lot of movies I talk about on this show, a lot of these can be enjoyed at home. And I think that's why it's good more and more movies are embracing the video on demand, but not a lot this week. Uh, not a lot, but... It would be smart for a lot of these films to do a simultaneous release just because I may rent this movie if I saw it at home, but to go out, actively go out, spend the gas money, the money of admission, the money for snacks, even if I sneak them in or buy them there, that's a big commitment. I'm not sure if Marvelous and the Black Hole is worth it, but it is well worth time at home. Rhea Perlman is a legendary actress. She knows comedy. She knows movies like this. She was a Matilda. We can trust her. Marvelous and the Black Hole looks cute. And I, I don't think Rhea Perlman knows magic, but I hope that the magic isn't super CG. Like in the Now You See Me movies, a lot of that magic wasn't actually done by them or was done by professionals close up. And they did a good job with it. Except for that really over-the-top one where they're trying to uh, steal that key or something and they keep hiding it like they're hiding a card then throwing it to each other while they're being fersked by the security guards. A little over-the-top, but still fun. So I hope the magic in this, if it's not actually done by Rhea Perlman, which I would, I would get it, don't learn magic just for a, uh, a movie. But if it's not done by her, I hope it doesn't look that bad. But this could be a charming and fun movie to enjoy, like I said, at home. Marvelous in the Black Hole gets a 7 out of 11. Do you remember when I had a really hard choice between Sonic 2 and Everything Everywhere All at Once, and I did a dual pick week because I really struggled with what I wanted the pick of the week to be? This is a little similar, and so I want to do another dual pick week, but I think the final movie I'm going to talk about, even though I'm less excited for it, is going to be a better movie for the theater, while the movie I'm going to talk about next, which I am more excited for, 
is more accessible at home. So let's talk about the first pick of the week, the unbearable weight of massive talent. That's right, it's time for a cash-strapped Nicolas Cage agrees to make a paid appearance at a billionaire superfan's birthday party, but is really an informant for the CIA since the billionaire fan is a drug kingpin. This stars Nicolas Cage from Leaving Las Vegas, Demi Moore from G.I. Jane, Pedro Pascal from Wonder Woman 1984, Tiffany Haddish from Like a Boss, Ike Barinholtz from The Mindy Project, Neil Patrick Harris from A Series of Unfortunate Events, and Sharon Horgan from Game Night. I am very excited for this movie. I think it looks super good. I think it looks funny. I think it looks like our national treasure, Nicolas Cage, is being so self-aware. Just on the trailer alone, it looks like he's so self-aware of who he is. There's a scene in the trailer where he's looking at a figure of himself, like a life-sized figure of himself from, I'm pretty sure it's Face Off, and he looks at Pedro Pascal and offers him money for it, 100% nodding to the fact that Nicolas Cage got into a lot of trouble because he spent way, way too much. Just recently, it wasn't even that long ago that an article came out that he's out of debt now because of all these movies he took. Because, do you remember? For a while there, for years, he was in a ton of stuff, just small-time stuff, skippable straight-to-VOD movies, and that's because he took anything he could and was just working, 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 working. Well, now he's out of debt, and almost as a reward, here comes the unbearable weight of massive talent. Nicolas Cage, I think it's a bad rap from a lot of people because what is easy to ignore is his talent because he has done some bad movies. But he always brings his all to the movies, even Ghost Rider Spirit of Vengeance, which was terrible. He brings Nicolas Cage to the movie. When he was filming or when he was recording the lines for Into the Spider-Verse, remember he did the voice of Spider-Man Noir, he was getting direction and he goes, oh, I get it. You want me to go full cage. He knows what that means. He knows what it means to go full cage. He knows that there are super cuts out there of all the times he's screamed or gone wild in movies. And it's, it's amazing. The unbearable weight of massive talent is going to be a fun ride. Do you need to see it in theaters? Maybe, maybe you do. The next movie is going to be more worth the big screen experience. But if you choose this one, there is nothing wrong with that. This is going to be a fun film, has a good cast, looks self-aware without being so self-aware that it almost goes into the negative category. It looks like just right there with a perfect amount of self-awareness. And I forgot if I said, I think I said it, right? That Pedro Pascal is the one playing the billionaire who is a big drug kingpin. And it seems like they have a complicated relationship because they really hit it off. And it's not like Nicolas Cage was sent there knowing he was going to be spying for this, for the CIA on this kingpin. They became friends first. He went to this birthday party first, became friends with him, then was picked up by the CIA. So now he's torn. He's like, I really like this guy, but he's a criminal. The unbearable weight of massive talent is a surefire win, and it is well worth being your pick of the week if you do go see a movie. I love Nick Cage. I am a big fan of his. And that's why The Unbearable Weight of Mass and Talent gets a 10 out of 11. Well, my future friends, the final pick of the week is a movie that hasn't been on my radar all that long. I heard about it, but kind of ignored it. 
And only just recently, I finally saw a trailer. And damn, does this look good. I have to be honest, though. I think the unbearable weight of massive talent will be more fun. I kind of want to see it more. But this film looks like it's going to just work better on the big screen than the other one would. So let's talk about the final movie and the second pick of the week, which is called The Northman. From visionary director Robert Eggers comes The Northman, an action-filled epic that follows a young Viking prince on his quest to avenge his father's murder. This stars Alexander Skarsgård from True Blood, Nicole Kidman from The Hours, Klaus Bang from The Square, Ethan Hawke from Training Day, Anya Taylor-Joy from The Queen's Gambit, and Willem Dafoe from Spider-Man. So, I think I said what my original name for this episode one. It's Vampire Eric Returns. And that's because Alexander Skarsgård in True Blood played the character Eric Northman, who was a Viking prince. And in this, Alexander Skarsgård is in a movie called Northman playing a Viking prince. This is too perfect. So, if you're not familiar with the name Robert Eggers, you may know some of his movies, like The Witch and The Lighthouse. Two movies that I have very differing opinions on. I liked The Witch. I thought it was a very good indie horror in the sense that it's kind of what I expect from a director like him. While The Lighthouse, I thought, was just a steaming pile of hot garbage. Even though it was very well acted, the acting was fantastic. I just think the story was absolute shit. So that's why I'm a little gun shy when it comes to The Northman. Because this is a director that I saw two movies of his that I have very different opinions on. So this movie could go either way. The only difference is that I thought The Witch looked good. When I saw the trailer for The Lighthouse, I thought it wasn't going to be good. And I was right. This one looks good. So if we can trust the trailers for a Robert Eggers movie, this is going to be a good film. From what I hear, this movie is not going to be ultra-violent per se. There's going to be violence, but... This is going to be more about the Viking people and the mythology and the history and not just a, you know, bloodbath, which is pretty cool. I, I do like that. And even though this movie isn't uh, like, you know, a Marvel movie or the next Jurassic World movie or something that has a lot of big, flashy special effects, just take a look at the trailer. And from the look of this trailer, it just looks like it belongs on the big screen. It looks like it has some powerful score to it where those gigantic subwoofers in the theater will just take hold of you. I think this is a good movie for theaters. And can you see why I was so torn? I think this is going to be good, not as good as the other film, but I think the watchability on a big screen is going to be higher for this. But let's be honest, like if you do miss a big blockbuster or a big beautiful movie like this on the big screen, it's not going to be a big deal. Will you be a little sad, like, oh, I wish I saw this in a theater? Yeah, sure. But it shouldn't really affect your enjoyment because a good movie should be a good movie no matter the size of the screen and the sound system you have, whether it be the normal speakers on a TV or you have speakers just sitting around your living room. And what's more, I haven't even talked about that cast. That's a phenomenal cast. Alexander Skarsgård, Anya Taylor-Joy, Nicole Kidman, Ethan Hawke, goddamn, and Willem Dafoe. This is fantastic. This has a good cast. It looks good. It looks like it's going to be beautiful. It just looks like a well done film and like it's going to be one of those 
movies that aren't your typical big blockbuster that's going to break the mold. And I think that's what this film is going to do. The Northman is well worth a watch in theaters, and it gets a 9 out of 11. Well, my future friends, that is it for this episode. Let me remind you that I usually release weekly, so do keep an eye out for that. You can find me on any podcast app, including Spotify. I would really love it if you rated the podcast on Apple Podcasts. I would love five stars. Give me all the stars, please, and leave a review. I would love that so much. You can find all of my various links in the link tree in the show notes. And don't forget to show some love to the other shows that are good friends of ours, like Somewhat Nerdy Radio and We're Doing Fine with Robbie and Lisa. You can always listen to old episodes of the Watch Your Mouth podcast until they return. If they ever return, we'll see. But my friends, just remember that no matter where life takes you, no matter what your week has in store, just take some time to catch a flick. I'm Billiam from Somewhat Nerdy signing off, and I'll see you in the future.